0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's tony katz today the supreme court decides not to hear a case about bathrooms transgender students and the state of indiana tony katz tony katz today good to be with you what's going down everybody find everything TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. That's where you do it. So this was just yesterday. Um, you have in Indiana, in Martinsville, the Metropolitan School District of Martinsville. They had an issue, and it's based on transgender boys' access to the boys' bathroom. So I assume that means girls who claim to be boys. I I, I sometimes still have trouble following it and what the uh seventh circuit said was that yes that's allowed and so this got its way to the supreme court and the supreme court decided not to hear uh the 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 case now people this this bothers people constantly why is it that the supreme court will sometimes decide not to hear a, a case and the answer is the case itself might not actually solve the question. It might bring them more cases as opposed to a case where the 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 presentation they could provide, the explanation they could provide, the ruling would satisfy a whole series of cases and engage a, a proper level of precedent. They did this a a tremendous number of times regarding the Second Amendment. And Second Amendment activists would be infuriated. Why is the Supreme Court not ruling? Why are they not protecting gun rights? What are they doing? In many ways, in many uh, respects, they were waiting for the right case. Waiting for the right case to take place so they could engage uh, a, a, a proper ruling a ruling that would have the most amount of effect and answer the most amount of questions. That that is very, very true of, of the court. The school district in Martinsville wanted SCOTUS to conclude that it is not required to allow transgender students to use the bathrooms of their choosing. And I am a believer, of course, that... If you are a boy and you claim to be a girl, you can make that claim, except it's not true and you don't get to use a girl's bathroom or locker room. And your feelings, and I, and I, for the record, I would say this to, to, to students. You give me a 14-year-old, I will honestly address the situation with them. Your feelings can be very real. That doesn't require an action upon my part. And if we are now going to be honest, not only with the 14-year-olds, but with the 14-year-olds' parents and with society writ large, we have to stop indulging mental illness. You're a boy who says you're a girl. You can say that. But it doesn't require anything from me. My life does not have to change one iota. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't. And certainly I will not play along with the, okay, I'll use these pronouns. I will not lie to you because I will not lie to myself. There is no power on God's green earth that can make me lie to myself. I simply will not do it. You can bring all the Mao struggle sessions you want, and dear Lord, it's very hard to survive a Mao struggle session. I will not do it. I will not be a part of it. I will not have it. To ask someone to lie to themselves and to lie to others is is a sin. It is a total lack of decency. You'll note that in my argument, I did not say that you cannot live your life the way you see fit. And certainly, this is true of adults. But I will not indulge the mental illness that it is a part of. Gender dysphoria is a diagnosis, it is a diagnosis. And we should treat it as such. And in children, it is not our job to indulge a mental illness. It is our job to say that is an issue. Let's get this child to help. They deserve. Let's love the kid enough to care about the kid, which includes sometimes saying no. So no, you don't get to use the bathroom of your choosing. You use this bathroom or you can use that one over there. That one's single stall, which totally fine by me. Just don't think you have to be rude about it. I don't think you have to be mean about it, but you have to be clear about it. The problem is the people who push this are the ones that are rude and mean, like, for example, the ACLU. The ACLU of Indiana filed an opposition brief uh, in, in, in this case. What is your argument? What is your argument? That children have these rights and the other children have no rights? I can think of nothing more hateful than that. The idea that the child who makes the claim has rights and the child who doesn't make the claim doesn't have rights. That is a barbaric thought. And I will state as clear as day, I, uh, the idea that the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana is actually focused on civil liberties in Indiana is laughable, not from what I've seen from how they have acted. As a matter of fact, I am amazed anybody writes them a check at all. I'm am- I am stunned, shocked by it, floored by it, that anybody write that is, is, is a supporter at this stage of the game. Supporting what? Telling young girls to lay back and take it? My words, that's, that's, that's what they're doing. Good Lord. So the Supreme Court says now we're not going to hear the case. Okay, it will come back because there are other cases, there are other situations, and this will get addressed. And I don't understand on what planet it won't be said that a child who makes a decision doesn't have the right to impact other children. But if so, if that's how they rule, if you think people have been pulling their kids out of school now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And to that end, I'm fine with people pulling their kids out of school. We have to break the teachers unions and break education as we know it. I don't know if it could be reformed, but I know nothing can happen until it is broken. And people have to start seeing how breaking the system can work for them and how they can make these changes and better their kids' education and create a safer education. We'll start talking about that more and more. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. It seems that the story has grown. And when I I saw that locally in Indianapolis in in some actual journalism Fox 59 uh, had uh, the data as well I said okay I'm going to continue this conversation and try and uh, make sure that that we we get to a place of some basic understanding and let's start with the basic understanding I hope Jim Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts is okay and healthy I know it's been a hard road, the addiction issues, and and other things that have gone on with him and his life. I hope he's okay. But it seems now from two reports that he's not, and it is possible that the Indianapolis Colts organization has not been forthright regarding his condition. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com uh, for the sake of, 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 also for the sake of clarity, I should say. I understand that this is all very, very fraught conversation. Uh, certainly, you, you you can't be a guy in Indianapolis media of, of any kind, and you're just going to run with some level of rumor and and go about making claims now nah, you're gonna you're gonna watch yourself for sure and in in any situation amongst anybody who's as high profile as as an Ursa, uh you'll always have people or at least I do because of of what I do. There's always somebody who's got a little story on the side. They got a little story over here. Oh, oh this, uh, this mayor oh, I got a little story over here. Oh, this uh, I got a little story about the governor over here. Oh, this this uh, council member I got a little, Everyone's always got a little story. In my position, and I think you could appreciate this cuz you'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do if I was doing it. You can't rely on on rumor and innuendo. You can't rely on, on somebody saying, "Oh, here's the deal." No, you need data. You need data in order to engage a conversation. Otherwise, you have absolutely nothing. Otherwise, you're opening yourself up to lawsuit and people will not, will not respect you. They won't support you. They won't be there when a mistake does get made because sometimes mistakes do get made. If you're not engaged in an honesty, and striving for that on every level and making sure that you've got a story together, well, then you don't have anything. You, 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 can't, you can't build anything uh, in, in, in that world. I mean, you can for a short while, but it will burn bright and it will burn fast. The story is, is that the owner of the Indianapolis Colts was found unresponsive back in December in his home in Carmel, Indiana. TMZ broke the story. TMZ said that they got access to Carmel police documents that showed that uh, the police were dispatched about 4.30 in the morning. And uh, the quote here, uh, someone said they had found the Indianapolis Colts owner unconscious on a bathroom floor with a blue skin tone. Struggling to breathe, a weak pulse, constricted pupils that that Narcan that's utilized in, in uh, overdose situations uh, was administered. So that's, that's the, 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 the story that TMZ comes out with. Now, that's one heck of a story. The Indianapolis Colts had announced that he had been dealing, that Jim Ursay had been dealing with a, quote, severe respiratory illness. He actually missed a, a uh, opportunity to play with the Jim Ursay band in, in Los Angeles, right? He, he has not been around, and this is what the cult said. I looked at this story from TMZ, and I said, okay, it's TMZ. This This is gossip. It's what they do. And I could not tell you, not being enough of a follower on a daily basis of, of TMZ, how many of their gossip stories turn out to be factual versus not. What I can tell you is, certainly they have broken stories that have proven to be legitimate. So I said, okay, this is now getting picked up by NBC. It's getting picked up here and there. It's getting picked up by local Indianapolis media. I'm going to at least bring it up, and I did it in my morning show, and I, I bring it up here. Fox 59, Fox59.com, Max Lewis and Matt Adams reporting. They went about getting an access to public records uh, uh, request through the Carmel Police Department and got the records, including one of their anchors, Angela Ganote, who posted a screenshot of the actual records. A supplemental report, that as they reported, as they wrote it, a supplemental report said Carmel police were called to, quote, assist fire with a male that was unresponsive, breathing, but turning blue. The report indicated it was the 64-year-old Jim Irsay. Now, with this reporting, it seems clear to me that the story has legs, that maybe there's something missing, but the story has legs. The vice president of communications and external affairs with the Indianapolis Colts put out a statement, quote, Mr. Ursay continues to recover from his respiratory illness. We will have no further comment on his personal health and we continue to ask that Jim and his family's privacy be respected. Look, I, I, have, I don't think that that you have to tell us every time the owner of the Indianapolis Colts has the sniffles. I, 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 ag- I agree with this wholeheartedly. And I also think that it is okay for the organization and for the family to say, we're not sharing this with you. But there is something else at play here. And this is where I think that this won't be uh, about me or, or about media. It will be about the fan, and it will be about the NFL. The protection that the NFL engages of the shield, the brand, man, that's pretty massive. And a question's going to get asked of whether or not this subject was honestly addressed or not because they did not want to create an issue with the league that's going to come up that is going to happen this is this is the kind of story that league owners look at and say what are we dealing with here how does this affect the brand what do we want to do about that we can't that's going to come up will fans Look at the Colts and say, you didn't tell us what was going on. Why not? Now, I could argue, based on how they do other things, they are not the biggest sharers in the world. We could say that about players and and injuries and thoughts, et cetera. Uh, We've been saying this uh, on and off in my conversations with with JMV and others uh, for for years. Maybe this is different, and I think that could be argued, and this is not something that gets shared. But that would have been fine if you didn't put out a cover story. You put out a story that said respiratory illness. Now, maybe because we're engaged in uh, maneuvering or being too cute by half, you can get away with that. It doesn't seem, uh, if if you're unresponsive, turning blue and struggling to breathe and you sell that as a, or, or push that as a respiratory illness, yeah, that's that that's, is, that is not how that works. If a car is, is, going fast down the street and there's an old woman in the street who's about to get hit and I grab her and, and, and bring her to the ground to get out of the way and somebody writes the headline, Tony Katz pushes old woman in the street. That isn't what happens. Now maybe the two things are actually unrelated things. Jim Irsay has this issue and then overcomes this issue, lives through this, and then happens to get a respiratory infection or has a respiratory illness that knocks him out for a while. People don't see him at events. He has to cancel concerts, et cetera. And so they say he has a respiratory illness. So maybe it's not so much a cover story. It is exactly where he's at. But it is not, again, as I was sharing with the story before, an engagement of what actually happened. The big story here. I wish Jim Mercer all the best. I have never met the man. ever never ever have met the man and being somebody who has not dealt with recovery i can only go by what i hear and what i hear is this is incredibly difficult stuff the story here is going to be you 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 told us this but it was that and is that the place of the organization to do? And how does it affect the NFL ownership? And could changes be made there? Story, um, and 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 I must admit, I I wonder out loud if the story is going to bring anger from fans and from others, sponsors. Will they be? Will they say you weren't honest with us? How dare you? Or, or will they say, well, we totally understand. We hope he gets well. Because it see, it would seem to me, and I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, that with the documents now out there that were saying, well, this is just a miscommunication. This Here, here are the documents. If you want to now go about questioning them, feel free. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure I brought you the story. I think the story is strange. I think there are questions here. Real, real big questions here regarding what what comes next. But mostly, I'm curious to see how fans, sponsors, and the NFL deal with being told that this was a severe respiratory illness. And then, of course, is that what was told? And other people knew what was happening, but we were the ones who didn't know what was happening. Who knew what, when, where, why, and how? That's the question. And I'm... I don't think the Colts are going to be able to not provide an answer to that. The question is, will it satisfy anyone? I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Being a mayor ain't easy, and that's Well, important because local government is not easy. And so much of the time, we don't pay attention to local government enough. We've certainly seen this in the world of news, right? Local newspapers not having the people, not having the ability to do the coverage. So what do they sacrifice on? The covering of local government. Mayor's races, city council races, city council activities, town council activities. And it is when there is no sunlight Well, that's when things can manifest and get really ugly. In Indiana, more than any place I've ever lived, there is a celebration of mayors and this, uh, I don't call it a belief, call it a philosophy, call it whatever you will, that we expect not only a competence out uh, of them, but we, we want a growth from them. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. One of the things I'm curious about, and I'm going to spend part of, of this year kind of investigating, how do mayors view growth? Now, I, I live in Carmel. and I know. I know. I know. It doesn't matter where you're from. You're like, oh, that place. The growth is nuts. What was done to this city by uh, then-Mayor Jim Brainerd, who was just replaced in this last election, by Sue Finkham, Look, I I could say I have questions here, I have questions there. Some places money got spent, like I would not have done that. Some places money got spent and no one seemed to care. But people love the growth of Carmel. They love what Carmel is. And then you often get into this idea that are other cities looking to be Carmel? Well, I don't think that's what Kerry Thompson's looking for in Bloomington, is it? Bloomington isn't trying to be Carmel. Bloomington has IU. Bloomington has a whole identity. I, I think that their 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 viewpoint, their maybe the uh, for, for lack of a better word, their value system. I don't mean that in any derogatory. I'm just trying to engage a differentiation. It, it's it's different. Muncie, where we're heard on WMUN, they have had a tougher time of things, but they've got Ball State, which right now for many people that's the thing that's keeping Muncie in a conversation. But Muncie has been trying. Muncie looks for opportunity. And so uh, people like Kerry Thompson of, of, of Bloomington, people like Dan Rittenauer of Muncie, these are people I want to talk to. One of the people I spoke with is the mayor of Zionsville, after spending all those years at WTHR, John Stair. John Stare joins us right now. The newly elected mayor of uh, Zionsville, uh, the former mayor gave you guys a lot of publicity. You may not have wanted, but there you are sitting in the chair before we get into uh, the, the, the future from broadcasting uh, to public uh, service. Uh, how has been the transition? Because you never know what my future holds.
1: Hey, so far so good. You know, I, and I will say this, you talk about a transition for me. I think broadcasting transitioned. When I first started over 40 years ago in broadcasting, I think it was a public service, and that's the way we saw it. Um, as you know, that broadcasting has morphed over the years and changed into something quite different. So I really see this as returning to my roots, you know, and, and trying to do things that are going to benefit the people around me. Back then, it was a free flow of information. Now it's maybe, you know, looking for some opportunities that we can, uh, that we can find to make our town move forward.
0: Of course, John Stair spent 23 years as a lead anchor at WTHR, now sitting in, in the mayor's office. Uh, never mind the decision to run. It is a question of when you are, are a mayor, when you're on a city council, about the growth. And it's a question of do you want to grow or do you want the growth to be managed? How do you look at it?
1: Oh, I think we want the growth to be managed. Absolutely. I think, I think growth is inevitable. And uh, it's, it's incumbent upon us to manage it as best we can to bring the most good for the most people. So what does that entail?
0: Is this about, hey, we need to attract more uh, corporate entities because we want that tax base? Is this about we need to have more small businesses because that's how you better satisfy the constituency? Is, is it about uh, a conversation of housing? And if it's a mix, what does that mix look like?
1: Well, uh, your answer, my answer to your question is yes, yes, and yes. It's all those things. Um, and we have to do it deliberately, deliberatively. And, um, you know, in Zionsville, we haven't done a new comprehensive plan here for 20 years. It's time that we do a new comprehensive plan because Zionsville's changed a lot over that time. The population has grown. The area has changed. We've uh, expanded by annexing several different uh, neighboring townships. So we need to take a look at, at what it is that people want, and it's got to be a true comprehensive plan. You know, that word has meaning to me, and I think that if we listen to all the voices and respect all the voices, that uh, in another year, year and a half, perhaps we'll have a plan that we can use as a guideline for the next 20 years.
0: As of now, talking to John Stair, the mayor of Zionsville, what is that plan? What is, when, when you look at it, uh, and, and you and you ran for office, how are you explaining to people, this is where I think we can go?
1: Well, I, I think that you mentioned it before in the tax base. Our tax base is heavily, heavily weighted toward property owners. And I think we need to have a better mix. Uh, and not only for our tax base, but just for the livability in our community to have more services that are close by, uh, to have more housing for, for people that, that can afford it. You know, our median home price here is very high. And, you know, I think, hey, I like our police officers, I like our teachers, I like our firefighters, and I would like for them to have the opportunity to live in our community too. And right now, that's difficult. I don't think we have enough housing to, to bring in those folks. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things we have to look at to make a more vibrant community. But
0: very often, that is seen as either, A, bringing in very large uh, corporations that have maybe have some undue influence or, or over-influence. Or it means changes. For Zionsville, one of the big conversations was, do you change downtown, that quaint, beautiful uh, downtown Main Street that you have, and engage some mixed use? Put in some some big old buildings. Uh, The answer that was given by the previous mayor was, no, we're not going to do this. Are projects like that back on the table?
1: I think that our downtown is the heart and soul of Zionsville. And if you've been here, you know just how special it is. I think other municipalities around here would love to have a downtown like we do. That's the heart and soul. We need to protect that with everything we we have. However, if you look south of our current downtown, there's an area that I call South Village. It's 100 acres. And I think that some master planning there can do a lot to support our downtown as it currently exists. You know, I think the way to protect the downtown, to protect our brick street, is to put people in proximity to come and use it, to go to the restaurants, to go to the shops. And, you know, I think that's what we need to be thinking about. So in the South Village area, we'll have an area that has its own personality, but it's also going to be supporting the personality that we already have, the most important part of Zionsville, which is our brick street business district.
0: The idea of personality could mean, look, maybe we could grow bigger, but that's not who we are. We want to grow this much, and that's it. Is, the, is there a limit that a mayor should be uh, applying?
1: Well, I think that, you know, the marketplace is going to dictate where things go. That's why we need a comprehensive plan so we have a strong voice in in how things develop. Uh, I'm not looking to, you know, recreate uh, the Mile Square in downtown Indianapolis. I think that's exactly what we don't need here. But I think we do need some some places here and some opportunities to, to allow for future growth and that are more forward thinking. And they're going to support what we already have. Is there a
0: business you'd like talking to the mayor of, of Zionsville, John Stare, if, if Is there an industry uh, uh, on the large scale or a business on the small scale that you would like Zionsville to have or have more of?
1: Well, I think that uh, we're going to find our way in that. You know, Carmel has built itself upon those corporate headquarters and the arts. Um, Westfield is building itself upon sports. Uh, You have Fishers attracting a lot of high-tech companies. I think we'll find our niche here. Um, You know, obviously, we don't want to bring in heavy industrial companies. That's not really something that would would be acceptable here or something that we really want to have here something that's needed here. But I think, uh, you know, some more office space, some more living spaces, uh, you know, some more restaurants and more more things that are going to attract people to come and, and spend time here. I think that would really that would really be a good way forward for us.
0: Talk to me about your dealings with the, the, the state. You're not too far from where uh, this LEAP district has gone in, the serious level of controversy there about whether landowners were given an opportunity to understand what was happening before land was purchased, uh, the, the issue about uh, changing water uh, from from the Wabash, uh, from West Lafayette, and, and bringing things in. Uh, is the state a worthy partner, or is the state a fight in your as you think of your comprehensive plan for growth?
1: Well, the comprehensive plan hasn't been put together yet. So I have an open mind as to what that's going to tell us. Uh, As for being a partner of the state, you know, we'll take that as it comes. I have not had high-level conversations with, uh, with the state and its plans for the LEAP District. What I see at the LEAP District, though, is opportunity for us. As you said, it's not really in our area. It's, you know, 12 miles up the road. But I think when that begins to really develop there, whether it be 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years from now, that there's going to be support businesses that are going to be needed. Uh, accounting firms, PR firms, logistics companies, dry cleaners, dentists, all that all that stuff is going to come along with it. And I think there are some great opportunities for Zionsville to capture some of that growth uh, in the area of our town that is closer to the LEAP district in proximity.
0: I mean people... Um forget the value of those ancillary businesses all the time. Uh, mayor John Stair, the mayor of Zionsville, before I let you go, now is the moment. Now is the microphone. Yeah. What is the one business you want to steal from Carmel and have them come to Zionsville? Say it now. <laughs> Put Mayor Finkham on the ropes. What is the one business you want to steal from Carmel? Go.
1: I don't want to work with uh, Sue Finkham on the ropes. I, I want to be working cooperatively with her because I think, yes, we are competitive with one another, But I think we need to work together as well, because as a group, we're competing with Nashville. We're competing with Cincinnati and Columbus and and even Chicago. So we need to work together on economic development. And I think there's enough for everybody. We don't need to be stealing things from each other. I think if we work together, that's a better way forward. If I said
0: Scott Fadness and Fishers, would you have answered differently?
1: I would answer the same way. Uh, oh, he's yeah, been Tony. very supportive. He and I have been in close contact. And, uh, you know, one of the things, as you know, Tony, we haven't done well here in Zionsville is build those bridges with nearby communities. I intend to to work a lot harder at, at having those kinds of relationships with our neighbors.
0: Without stealing from anybody else, give me one business type you'd love to see in Zionsville.
1: Well, I think that, uh, you know, th- there are some, some high-tech opportunities that, that I hope would come our way. High-tech is... Is really where it is right now. And uh, that means flexible office space. That means, you know, the kind of. We, we, nobody needs a, a 15,000 square foot office anymore. Um, they need smaller spaces, and hopefully we can provide some of that and, you know, give people the opportunity to work in an office part time, work from home the rest of the time, and, you know, build a, a future looking economy rather than an economy looking toward the past.
0: I think you should go right for Carmel's soul personally. Just go right for it, uh, Mayor John Stere, Zionsville. I appreciate you. I'm going to be talking to mayors from all across the region, because that's another thing. Once you get out of the Donut Counties of Indianapolis, man, much different value system. Uh, again, potential, but different issues. What they deal, what they deal with in Muncie, and, and and how they built out Yorktown, how they deal with Fort Wayne, different than how they would deal with 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 Columbus, Indiana, or or or, or Bloomington, or or Martinsville, and. I want to hear, I want to understand what it is, what are the challenges uh, that that one is up against and how one goes about solving them. How do you view it? Maybe there's a way to kind of help along some of this growth. We do what we can. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. You got to know you're in a war to win one. You can't win one if you're asleep at the switch, have your head stuck in the sand like most Republicans. And I think that's going to require somebody who isn't bought and paid for, a businessman, not a politician. Anybody heard of that? And that's why I was in this race, but... I'll tell you, the people of Iowa spoke loud and clear last night, and I'm a big believer that we, the people, create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around. That we, the people, choose who leads this country. And so we heard we, the people, last night, and that is why last evening I met my friend here, we met in person, and I told him that I would endorse Donald J. Trump for President of the United States and do everything in my power. To lead us to victory in this war. It is a 1776 moment right now. It was a good speech from Vivek. I don't think that's deniable. Don't forget the skill set. For sure. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. And he's been picking up endorsements. Congressional endorsements. uh, Senate endorsements. Gubernatorial endorsements. Getting Ramaswamy. All the momentum in the world. I mean, we were discussing it. Yes, there is a way that he screws it all up, or that it all gets screws, screwed up for him. But man, that's that is that is small percentage numbers. You gotta the amount of things that would have to go in a, a Nikki Haley favor or a Ron DeSantis favor. Again, I say to you, where's the money? And I'm a DeSantis guy. Like, I'll take his track record and be like, yeah, go do that. I'm fine. And less baggage, easier to get over the hump in November. I'm good to go. Trump is a heavy, heavy, heavy lift. Please, can we just agree on that? He's a heavy lift in November for the rest of the country. Heck, he's a heavy lift for a fair amount of the other 50% of Republican voters. At least based on Iowa. Let's see what New Hampshire does. Uh, but he, the, the momentum is, 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 is there. Now, compare that Vivek commentary to John Kerry in Davos at the World Economic Forum. John Kerry, the climate envoy, former senator from Massachusetts, former secretary of state, former presidential candidate, and terrible at all of it, talking about why he's supporting Joe Biden. I will campaign for President Biden. I will certainly, because the state's could not be higher for our country for the world the stakes are as high as they get and as high as i've seen in of course of my public service so i am going to campaign very happily because i think he's done a terrific job he's shown experience he's kept us from you know having a you know complete breakout of uncontrolled war in many regions but by- what well, he's done what now he's kept us Joe Biden has kept us from war? Oh, my. Oh, my. Ew, David. Seriously. There's the difference. Vivek at least is trying to inspire, and John Kerry is still lying directly to your face that is just nutty nutty stuff find everything at tonykatz.com t-o-n-y-k-a-t-z become a support over there get the videos get all the good stuff you can't get anywhere else tonykatz.com tomorrow everyone take care